The Parasite. The Land Rover flipped over the edge of the cliff as if it had been thrown by a child. Bob felt he had somehow been in it, but now suddenly wasn't. It bounced and rolled horribly, and he felt enormously anxious that the driver should become enraged and crawl out murderously. He hoped the crash had killed him, that strange bandaged man. Bob looked around to get his bearings. The awesome grey cliff face towered above him. He wasn't sure if he was dizzy or if the cliff was actually moving back and forth. It seemed to breathe like a sick old man. It was a solid yet undulating mass of rock going on as far as the eye could see. This wasn't very far, for the horizon bled the marshy land into the sky and rock to form a mass of green-grey. It was a wall of nothingness. Behind him lay an endless marsh which engendered terror in his heart. A deep uneasiness fell upon him as he considered what horrors lay beneath those waters. He realised he was waist-deep in them. It seemed without taking a step he had entered the wetland. Suddenly, Bob heard a plaintive yelp. It was Sparky. He recognised the terrier's yelp. He cursed his luck. How could Sparky survive in this? He would surely drown. The trouble was... The sound was so flattened he could not guess where it had come from. He ran, or at least he tried to run. All around his legs, unearthly plant life tugged at him and troubled his steps. The yelp came again, and Bob moved ever more desperately on. Of course he fell. He fell forward, arms plunging into the warm soup, head plunging under. When Bob came up, he noticed an awful discomfort in his left hand. It felt tight and distended. He brought it up to his face to examine. It was covered in dense foliage. Thick, short clusters of leaves sprouted forth from lumps of brown hide like pineapple skin. These were rooted into the flesh of his hand. He was nauseated and for a moment completely defeated. Then, a gut-wrenching desire to be free of the parasite set in. Somehow a penknife appeared in his hand and it cut into the poisoned flesh relentlessly picked out all the weird stuff by the root until finally his hand was free. The hand was not bleeding. It was, however, lacerated and sore. Then he noticed in the flesh of his palm, just below the little finger, a deep hole with a glimpse of something black and shiny hiding in it. Hiding was the word for it. It moved and retracted when he tried to pick it out. It was some kind of devious, leech-like creature. He dug in furiously till he had hold of its tail, And then he pulled, very, very hard. Adrenaline had made the pain distant. As he pulled, it became clear that the thing was large. It grew fat as he pulled it to its full extension, and it used every effort it had to keep its grip deep inside Bob's hand. Bob won. The thing came flying out and began to flail around violently. It was trying desperately to get hold of his face. He gripped what might have been called its throat and, using all his strength, pushed it into a heavy book and slammed the book shut triumphantly. He knew it was dead. He roared out at the marshland, holding his trophy above him and then threw it as far as he could. Hang on a minute, Bob thought. Where did that book come from? The dream then began to fade. It didn't fade fast. It lingered on into his awakening. It coloured the morning with a thick nastiness. His left hand had pins and needles because he was sleeping on it. He was asleep on the leather sofa again. The one he had moved into his study when Carol moved out. The only dawn chorus that greeted him was the drone of his computer's fan. 
Bob peeled his gut from the leather and dragged himself into a sitting position. He ran his fingers through the remains of his hair. How long had he been like this? How many days now had he been lulled to sleep by the PC in the corner? He was only vaguely concerned by these questions. In truth, he still felt like a rebel. He felt like he was flicking the V's to his old life of domestic bliss. He was the Lone Ranger. He was fulfilling his dreams of a wild lifestyle. It was a wild lifestyle that had gradually become almost completely a digital lifestyle. Bob had kicked Carol out. She would have left anyway, sooner or later. At 38, he was running out of excuses for not wanting to have kids. He couldn't even really hold a conversation anymore. One night, he got drunk on his own and watched American Beauty three times in a row. In tears, he drove into town and asked for the youngest prostitute at Betty's massage parlour. Betty was a sweet old soul who actually ran a remedial massage parlour for sports injuries. She was also a friend of Carol's mum. This matter forced Bob's hand, so as soon as he got home, he woke Carol up, told her he didn't love her anymore. She was remarkably calm. She left. Bob went out that weekend and bought a new computer. It was the shit. It was the kind of computer that has more RAM than a field of sheep. It was internet ready. That's what he wanted it for. It was to be his new hobby. His surrogate wife. He wanted to try it all, from genealogy to dungeon porn. From eBay to MySpace, he wanted to test out every possibility. To this end, he bought webcams and microphones and the biggest, fattest broadband connection he could find. Then, he dragged the sofa into his study and turned it into a man cave. He installed a beer fridge. He brought Sparky's bed into the room, too. He covered the walls with posters of big-titted girls leaning against cars. Finally... He went to his GP and told him he was suicidal. He took a sick note to work, came home and settled in. Now, in the cold light of day, the dream was wearing thin. His exploration of cyberspace had degenerated further and further into a simple porn habit. That's when the bad dreams had started. He became lazy with Sparky. The poor terrier now got less than a few walks a week. Bob got up and took the short walk to his computer chair. Rubbing the sleep out of his eyes, he checked his messages. He took a slug of cold coffee as he perused the list of Russian and Thai brides who had mailed him. There was nothing from any of his real-life friends. There were, however, a few messages from the MySpace kids who believed that Bob was twenty and cool. He rubbed at his left hand absent-mindedly. still felt like it had been ravaged by a mysterious parasite. His dream brain was all mixed up with his waking conscious. It was in this state that he first saw the pictures. Have you ever seen a pop-up attack? The screen suddenly floods with pop-up windows. They pile one atop another at an alarming rate. You panic, you click the mouse randomly about and end up opening yet more. Pages and pages come at you. This is what happened to Bob. There weren't adverts for casinos or insta-win competitions. There were lurid images of Sparky. Images of Sparky being tortured. Bob's very own Sparky was shown in every clip. Every image had captions in big, bold letters. Each caption said things like, Hi, Bob. Is this your dog, Bob? Where's Sparky? Etc. Bob went very pale. When he finally saw an image of Sparky being fed a pipe bomb, 
he threw up into his keyboard. The next image to be displayed was horrific in the extreme. It was bordered by sparkling glitter text saying, Bye bye Sparky! A jaunty little tune played over the animation. Bob ripped the plug out of the socket and the room went deathly quiet. Bob sat down on the floor and sobbed. He sobbed only twice. Then he gripped his head tightly with both hands to try and focus his mind. It was still only seven in the morning. Sparky was indeed not in his dog bed in the corner. Bob searched the rest of the house and then the yard. Bob stood on the front porch whistling. Bob gave up quickly. There was no doubt in his mind of the identity of the dog in the pictures. He had been hacked. Badly, badly hacked. The result of that morning's strange incident was a dramatic change in Bob. He couldn't bring himself to face the police for fear of his hard drive being investigated. He became intensely paranoid. He felt the urge to get back to work and get some routine back into his life. He did wonder who it might have been, but it could have been anyone. He was sobered by the thought of how many countless times he had given away his personal details online, every seedy website he had signed up to jauntily without even thinking twice. Every time he had humiliated and abused people in chat rooms for the fun of it. Months passed. Bob was hounded constantly. Every time he so much as looked at a computer, it seemed the sparky pictures would appear. Messages of gleeful spite were always fresh in his inbox. Profiles he had posted on web pages were routinely hacked and defaced in inventive and vitriolic ways. A huge parcel of anal plugs arrived at his office, paid for on his credit card. He did everything he could to stop it. He could avoid the web at home, but not at work. He had some success, and he learnt a lot about web security. After a while, he began to feel that his attacker was never really going to attack. He relaxed a little. He moved his accounts and credit cards around. Things cooled off. He started seeing a woman. Picture this. Bob meets Linda at a cafe called Gulp. They talk over cappuccinos. She laughs at his jokes. She plays with her hair. She warms to him. Bob is relaxed for the first time in a long time. But something captures his attention from the corner of his eye. Six Macs are lined up against the back wall. It's an internet cafe. Something about one of the screens is familiar. A piece of music coming from one of the computers triggers a memory. Only one of the computers is in use. Some scraggly college kid is busy clicking away. Bob stops listening to Linda. His eyes glaze over and he stands slowly. He shuffles closer to the scraggly kid like a zombie. He stands directly behind it and unnoticed he watches as the boy constructs another nasty email. Bob's own email address is clearly displayed in the send to box. Linda is saying something, but Bob won't listen. Almost without realising it, he is beating the boy over the back of the head with the keyboard. He gets five or six strong bats in before he is finally wrestled to the ground by the waiters.
Come back. Fuck off, Bob. I live in Alicante now. Ooh, before I forget, Sparky is in kennels. The details are under the bread bin. I hired a college kid to talk to you a bit on the internet. I was going to call him off months ago, but I seem to have lost contact with him. Lost his email. Oh, well. I'm sure you didn't overreact, eh? I'm off to the beach with Carlos and Juan. Ciao, Carol.